This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. And welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, a proud member of the True North Fantasy Network. It's me, your host, Gymnastic, Gold Jacket QBs, and with me, as always, my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, man, how you been? I've been good, man. I've you know, been continuing to accustom to my new life and my new job and 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 just been enjoying this offseason and, and getting ready for what will be a wild offseason in fantasy football. No combine officially announced. Like, oof. It's about I to like get the Under Olympics. I like. I'm a, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. I wish. I, I wish I looked that good in, in for the Underwear Olympics, man. I just, oof, they put me to shame. Yeah. Well, we're not gonna see some. Uh, we're not gonna see any. Uh, you know, underwear. Underwear heroes skyrocket up the draft boards and uh, going to see some inflated run numbers on pro days with no lasers. All of a sudden, everyone's going to be running four fours and four threes. And, oh, man, you might even see that combine record broken this year, right? Four, 408. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true, though. Like, it's going to be so different. Like, I mean, a guy like – DK Metcalf, I feel like stood out because of the combine. He was a freak and people let him drop. And now like his freakish abilities being shown off in the NFL. And you're not going to get that this year. Just like you're not going to get, just like this year, we didn't see any of those like preseason heroes that stepped up in the preseason and then boom, here they were the studs of their team. Like we didn't get to see that this year and it's going to be so different. So it definitely makes things within the fantasy world a whole lot more different as well. Yeah, man. So, looking into 2021, this week we were uh, we're going to discuss some wide receiver risers and fallers in the ADP. I'm I'm pretty excited to to, to get into this. Uh, looking personally at my top 12 uh, wide receivers going into the, into 2021 and for dynasty because it made me look at them. Uh, I was surprised, man. I got some, I got some movers and shakers climbing up the boards, man. That's 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 for damn sure. And uh, we're gonna hit on a couple of them. That's that is Absolutely. without a doubt. Absolutely, man. I think there's a ton of value to be had at the wide receiver position because there's gonna be a lot of people climbing those boards. And when people climb those boards, guess what? There's some people who fall who have a ton of value. And, and I mean, we saw it this past year, even like with a guy like Keenan Allen and certain people who fall so far down and like get buried at the bottom of the pile. But before we dig into those wide receivers, let's, let's just take a quick time minute to notice our uh, recognize and notice Viridian Global, our providers of the absolute best that podcasters wear in sweaters, hats, shirts we got we got we got toques now we got they got everything yeah. going on at breeding global that's v-e-r-i-d-i-a-n breeding and at breeding global on twitter 
giving you the absolute best that the podcasters wear and the absolute best for those who are winning leagues and losing leagues. They got your fantasy championship and, and toilet bowl shirts as well. So let's dig right into this gym. Who do you got first for a riser? So me first for the riser, it's got to be like the one, the only, the rookie sensation at the at the wide receiver position. That's Justin Jefferson, man. Um, drafted as the wide receiver 33. This guy finished on um, just to preface this, all these stats are through weeks one through 16. I don't count week 17. They don't count for your fantasy championships. I know you should be looking at them, but I am not. So he finishes the wide receiver eight with 251.9 PPR points and like startups this year. Um, I've, I've seen him go as high as the wide receiver five already. So whew, guys, guys, uh, guys are all over this guy, man. And I was digging in some numbers and uh, I don't know why it took until week 11 to get him over the 90% snap count. But when he did, man, watch out because, um, with his with his games with a 90 90% snap count minimum he went 386 and 1 770 and 2 9 121 for 1 8 104 and 0 6 for 85 and 0 that's crazy man like that is absolutely absolutely bananas for um a rookie wide receiver to be doing that like i said i don't know why it took till week 11 to get him on that 90% snap share and uh He's definitely a he's definitely a riser, man. He had a there's so much to like about his game, and there's so much still to be had. Like he had such a big piece of the pie as a rookie, and there's still more to be had, which is crazy. He had a 26 percent, I believe, market share as a rookie. Yeah. That, that, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think that he could probably go to 28, 29. Thielen's not even going to be there for years and years anyway, like definitely not for his entire career. So like, oh man, he's a guy I definitely pay the premium for. Um, what, what what would you say about him? My biggest, the, the biggest thing that stands out about Justin Jefferson to me is Kirk Cousins is throwing him the football. Could you imagine if he had like a viable quarterback at the helm who's throwing him the football. Like, this guy's an absolute stud. I absolutely agree. This was a guy that if you listened to a lot of people in the offseason last season, he was only a slot receiver. We talked about this before we went on the air, that this guy was only a slot receiver. All we know is that he's really good in the slot. And this guy, he's done most of his damage on the outside. He proved he can do – he can he can be that big slot presence, which he rarely was at the NFL level, but he's mainly that outside presence and, and he's pushing Thielen out of the way on the outside. And and like, for me, Thielen isn't even a threat anymore. Like you were saying, he's getting older, he's had his injury issues. The only thing reason that Thielen is a threat is that for some reason, Thielen, kind of reminiscent of Kenny and Drake in Arizona, Thielen gets a lot of the touches inside the five. He gets a lot of the touches oh, yeah. where it matters the most. And to me, that just makes no sense because I feel like Justin Jefferson's that guy. Justin Jefferson should be getting those touches. Adam Thielen actually had eight targets inside the five, which was second most in the league for seven receptions for seven touchdowns. He caught the and he caught the ball it was a touchdown. Seven TDs inside the five. He was deadly. And again, like nobody's going to be complaining about a fourteen hundred yard seven touchdown season and. 
we've been talking about it all offseason. Touchdowns are not sticky. They're not something that you could change. Like you should be chasing. You should be chasing the volume. The volume is there for Justin Jefferson. And um, like we said, touchdowns aren't sticky. So there's a possibility that like three of those touchdowns inside the five swing JJ's way. And now you're looking at double digit TDs. He's a guy that could easily, easily see paths for 12 touchdown seasons, 1300 yards or sustain 1000 yard seasons. Uh, pretty much like um, a, a Mike Evans type of production that, that you could be getting at a wide receiver. Uh, Absolutely. I agree. I think Mike Evans is a good comparison. I actually think Julio Jones is a very good comparison when you look at like size and what he does and how he plays. I, I think that they could think that Mike Scores Evans is more touchdowns than, than Julio, though. <laughs> well, and that, that doesn't take much. For some reason, Julio, when we talk about not sticky stats, that is definitely touchdowns with Julio is one that does not stick. Um, but yeah, I, I think like he's very reminiscent that the body size, the way he plays, um, he's a very, he's actually, he's a very physical guy and his ability to create after the catch as well and make people miss is really impressive as well. And like I said, if he was in a situation with a guy like Aaron Rodgers or a guy, a re- someone who could really get feed him the ball constantly and accurately, I think we'd be looking at a guy who probably would have eclipsed 1500 1600 yards in his rookie season like it's truly amazing to think that he's doing all this with a guy like Kirk Cousins um at this point and with a guy like Adam Thielen across from him what I also found pretty interesting was uh weeks where he was a wide receiver one with the 90 percent snap share were weeks where that Minnesota won so when he finishes a wide receiver one and was on the field Minnesota won which was pretty interesting to me. So, whew, I mean, I mean, we can't we can't not talk about the fact that they're like that they're a run first offense. They run. I think that they honestly run through Dalvin Cook first well, for how long? I think for, well, for how long is true. I think Justin Jefferson stays healthier than for longer than any than any real running back not like named Frank Gore. You you look at the stats, team pass plays per game, they had 34.8. That ranked 25th in the NFL. So you talk about how there's more to be had, 100% there's more to be had for him. That's 34.8 pass plays per game. There's teams that are up at like 40, 42, 44. You get another six to eight pass plays, who's that going to? Thielen and First Jefferson, step. that's it. Maybe you're familiar Smith if you still want to if you still believe. You still believe. Oh, oh man, I'm a homer. I love him. <laughs> but that's definitely one you, you'd absolutely be looking at. Like any increase into that pass game is nine times out of ten going to Jefferson or Thielen, and more than likely you're gonna see it go towards Jefferson. So even one more target a game or two more targets per game on his average would be massive to those numbers that are already astronomical. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's 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 unbelievably amazing. I'm looking at his numbers right now, just on a, on a stat chart that I pulled up, and he's unbelievable. But Connor, I gotta ask you, like, where are you taking him today among your wide receivers? Is he top five, top ten, top fifteen? Because like me personally, I got him. I got him ranked in my top ten, just outside of the top five. He's sitting at six. Um, I got Hill, Adams. Um, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, and Justin Jefferson sitting right at number six for me personally. 
we pretty much see eye to eye for the most part. And I think Justin Jefferson, if you're taking him at five, that's realistic, man. Justin Jefferson just turned 22. He's literally 22 years old. So cream of the crop, this is a guy that you can definitely get. And and like, yeah, I, I could see between five and 10 is where he lands, or six and 10 is where he lands for me. Like I would ar- arguably debate with the DK Metcalf truthers that, that Justin Jefferson should be ahead of DK Metcalf. I have DK to finish it off. I have DK, then Hopkins, Evans, and Godwin. And like, and then, um, Michael Thomas sitting right after all after them. But like I said, honestly, and I have it, I don't mind the argument for any order outside of the top three. After my Hill Adams and Diggs, um after four to ten, I don't you could argue any way I wouldn't really be that. As long as those same six or seven are there. And then the top and then the top three, you could I think you can interchange the Diggs, the Adams, the, and the Tyree Kill. I'm not really too mad. How, how I, well, I think we have to, I think, pump the brakes on Diggs. I think it, the top two are interchangeable. Diggs, We've I always said the really top two should be, be Steph- one or two. See, and Stefan Diggs, to me, he's a riser. And what better segue than that t- to talk about him? Let's, let's talk about him. He is definitely the biggest riser to me out of this, out of this group significantly, because I've just now put him in the tier one. He was drafted as a wide receiver 23. He finishes the wide receiver three with 300. I, that's right. I said that correctly. 314 PPR points. Um, and actually another funny stat that I was looking at was all three of the top fantasy wide receivers are playing in uh, championship games this weekend, which is the big three. I just named there, which is Devonte Adams, Tyree kill and, Stefan Diggs. So I thought that was pretty funny. Um, five mm-hmm. out of 12 top or sorry, five top 12 weeks, which is uh, fantastic. I don't know what, what else you could want. He was 73% of the time. You got a wide receiver two or better. Um, so consistent, which was amazing. He's a target hog. The only thing stopping him from being number one across the board was, uh, <laughs> which is what I joked around was, was Atlanta's pension for throwing the uh, air yards and Devontae Adams' ridiculous TD numbers. Besides that, he's like top three across the board and everything. Uh, it's just the touchdowns, which we always say they're not really sticky. And, I mean, still very impressive. He had eight on the year, just didn't hit the double-digit marks that you really, really want an elite wide receiver to, to hit. But the opportunity is definitely there. He led his team in the red zone uh, targets and inside the five, which was definitely something I, I want to see. And man, 1500 yards, let's just put that up there. 1500 yards. Me and you always talk about, and I mean, I, I will always talk about the fact that why I have Tyree kill so high is because of Pat Mahomes. And well, now I seem to be swaying more on the side of Josh Allen and realizing what he does do well. And one of those things is chemistry with Stefan Diggs. And so we've always talked about when there's a guy at a similar tier or similar value to you, I'll always swing with the with the with a quarterback, the better quarterback. He's attached to a fucking great quarterback. Now, whether he regresses or not, I don't think so. I really don't think so. For fantasy purposes, he's tied to a fucking great quarterback right now, man. So like I'm swinging for him. He's to me, he is the best wide receiver we're going to talk about today. Um, 
because we're not going to name the other two. We're not going to go into depth with the other the other two of mites here. But to me, I think he is the only wide receiver worth talking about today. That's even worth going into tier one discussion. The only thing separating him from Tyreek and Devontae was touchdowns. That was it. It was touchdowns. He had this, he had similar, <clears throat> similar, not better market share numbers. He had similar, better not uh target, sorry, yards per target. I don't know what else you want from him. He's an elite root runner, very athletic. Fuck, he's a dog. He's got a mamba mentality, if that's what people are calling it right now or calling it these days. Like, I don't know. He's got an alpha style mentality. He's the type of wide receiver that I'll definitely gladly pay a premium price for any day of the week. Absolutely. And obviously, you'd have to pay a massive premium for him. And I mean, the big thing that stands out for me about Stefan Diggs, you were talking about, like his own near 30% target share is also the hog rate. I always look at the hog rate. He's top five in hog rate. 18% of the time that he is out there for a snap, he's seeing a target, which is amazing. That is a massive number from a hog rate standpoint. And, and that's not to say that he is a hog, but he is in that offense. But I mean, you we have we have to remember like guys like Cole Beasley and John Brown aren't gonna be around forever as well. Like Cole Beasley took a good share of targets as well in that offense. But I mean, I know that Gabriel Davis is there too. There's some there's a guy waiting in the wings to take some of those shares. But Stefan Diggs and 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 Josh Allen just have a chemistry unlike any other. I never saw two people click instantly like that. And without a preseason, even better. Even better, the fact that they didn't need a preseason to have that chemistry and that click rate off the bat is humongous um, yeah. for Stefan Diggs. And like you look at his intended area, it was 1,700, and which is, which is number four in the NFL. Like, that's crazy. These numbers are astronomical across the board. He is a wide receiver one. Literally in almost every category you look at, whether it be receptions, whether it be air yard share, whether it be – whether it be targets, anything, anything, he it, the numbers are astronomical, and it's great to see because he wasn't going to get that respect in in um, Minnesota, and it is a damn shame that he wasn't going to get that respect because look what he turned into with Josh Allen. I'm glad it happened not in Minnesota because then you wouldn't have the rebirth of um, Stefan Diggs, you wouldn't have the birth of Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson anywhere else wouldn't have flourished as well as he did unless it was in Minnesota with that perfect storm. of Like, again, we've talked about it. That was a win-win situation. I don't get why anybody could be, ever be mad about that. Like, that was the perfect trade for both of those teams, man. Oh, 100%. There was – I don't think there's – but there's not many trades that were win-win in the NFL like, like we witnessed with that one. That is a true win-win deal, and it went – Amazing for both ways. Amazing for both ways. You know what else I loved about uh, Stefan Diggs looking at him? He was a wide receiver one every single game when it mattered the most to make you fantasy money. Weeks 14, 15, 16. This guy didn't Houdini on you. This guy showed up, put the lunch pail in, and fucking came to work. Gave you wide receiver one numbers when it mattered. 25 plus. Most. points 25 plus in two of those and 40 plus in one of those oh yeah guy's a goddamn savior um absolutely yeah. 
Again. Moving onward and upward, we cannot say enough good about yeah. Stefan Diggs. So but that's as much as I want to give the Bills Mafia um, any love this week because you know you can see the hat. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's move on to uh, so we don't get you any more upset because I know that things are pretty stressful in in Kansas City Nation right now. Let's move on to DK Metcalf. How about DK Metcalf? Let's like for me, I listen. I, our, our guy at Dynastradamus, Ty, he, he called me out because I believe it was him who called me out because I was talking about um, DK Metcalf. I still stand by the point that I made in that tweet that he called me out on. <laughs> I think Tyler Lockett is still the value pick. And this year, more than ever, he will be the value pick because we we're talking about DK Metcalf as a riser. He was drafted as a wide receiver 16. He finished the wide receiver, what, four? Yep. But he's been talked as as the dynasty wide receiver one. So, I mean, I, that's not average for me. I mean, uh, I'm apparently getting crazy looks for putting Stefan Diggs in that tier. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, uh, um, for, for the people who are put in, and I've, and you know what, it's true. It is very true. There are, I, there's actually a decent share of people who think DK Metcalf is a wide receiver one in fantasy and you're hooking your horse to the wrong quarterback. I feel like, because like he's known for his disappearing acts always known for his disappearing acts and DK Metcalf can put up monster numbers and he can do what he wants, but he was inconsistent too. There was a week where we were talking and we were talking fools and fools, gold, gold and fools, gold. And one fools gold I said was DK Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey. And he ended up being fools gold that week. Like there are times where, where he, he won't stand out over the rest. And Devonte Adams stood out over the rest almost constantly. Tyreek Hill, almost constantly. Stefan Diggs, almost constantly. So I just don't see how DK Metcalf, how you're hitching your wagon to the right team. I know what they say and what they want to be, but what they say and what they want to be versus the situation they're presently in is a different ballgame. So, sorry, I was just reading some of these comments while I was listening to you. The big knock for me on DK Metcalf, too, is what we talked about as being a positive with Justin Jefferson because Thielen might be gone soon. I don't see it with Lockett being gone as soon, but Lockett is the Thielen to Justin Jefferson. You know what I mean? Like Lockett saw seven seven targets, seven catches, and six, six touchdowns um, inside the five-yard line. He's a red zone monster. He's a guy getting looks. He's a guy. And, I mean, DK saw four targets, and he caught two touchdowns. But, I mean, he did have those two horrendous drops in the end zone. So, it was one. And I'm just thinking about it reliving over my head. But I know for sure he dropped that for sure one. And if you're looking at the end zone, left corner of the end zone, right in the bread basket, about five yards out. And, like, for me, DK Metcalf – so you look if you fall look at his stats the whole season through. So fifty percent of the time he was a wide receiver two or better. But look at the games where he wasn't a wide receiver two. Like he wasn't fringe wide receiver two. Like we're talking games where he was so wide receiver twenty six. I was close, but 74, 67, 33, 
41, 48. And those were not pretty games. Those are like 10-point no. games, 11-point games. Those are not what you expect from a dynasty wide receiver one like a DK Metcalf and the expectation that you have on DK Metcalf. Like, I think he could be a wide receiver one. That's not oh, 100%. the wide receiver one. You know what I mean? Like, that's my problem. I'm not taking him as the wide receiver one because, like, I'm definitely going to take a guy that has over 120 targets um, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, but hmm, I don't and know. like his his it's quarterback area. thing. Like, I'm just his, looking, I'm looking at the points here, and I'm like, he's taped crazy volume, but it's like a perceived top fantasy quarterback. Who I say perceived because I love Russell Wilson. I've been known to say that I love Russell Wilson. And I like he was the top two quarterback that I was targeting in fantasy drafts. Not like my number two, but he was the number two guy that I was going for because I'd let a couple other guys go, but. But, like, there are numbers that definitely stand out, like number two in air yards, number six in receiving yards, number seven in total touchdowns. Like, he has some very sexy stats that you, you want to hitch your wagon to. And, like you said, he is number seven in drops. He did have eight drops this season, which doesn't drops, sound like I'm not really that concerned about. No, it, it, like, it, it's not It's not that concerned in either. It's the red zone inside the five that I don't like where he's dropping them. Like, those are money. Not mm-hmm. all drops are created equal, man. I know you're going to get them, but, like, not all drops are created equal. You're not going to get those cracks over and over and over at the end zone. Like, you like, look at the red zone. dropping on the 30, whatever. But, like, having the shot at the end zone where you're open like that is completely and, different animal. And red zone targets, he had 16. He only had eight receptions on those. That is scary. That is not a number you like. A 50% catch rate in the red zone is not a pretty number. It's something that that, that is definitely something you need to worry about. Yeah, and it's 50% inside the five, which is even, which is even worse. worse. For a big guy like that, I expect you to be dominating, pushing off. Well, not pushing off, but just dominating uh, defenders inside that small space and just manning up on them, mossing them, if you will. And um, to only have two catches for out of the four thrown to you, uh, I don't know, man. But but what I did like, uh, as we talked about with Justin Jefferson, um, 75% of his weeks where he was a wide receiver one equated into actual team wins in Seattle where it was week five, week eight, and week 12. They lost in week nine where he was a wide receiver one. Those weeks he ended up going 693 and two touchdowns, 12-161 and two touchdowns, 7-108 for one touchdown, and then 10-177 and held out of the end zone. And that was wide receiver four, one, 12, seven which I thought was pretty cool, man. I think it's very important that the team gets win. Like, not for a fantasy perspective, because obviously we're hitching our wagon to Evans and Godwin when Tampa Bay was just a fucking shit show of a team with Jameis Winston throwing up 50 because the volume was there. But from an actual NFL standpoint, I do think it's important that the team is getting wins when they're targeting their wide receiver or number one asset. Like, I think they want to see the win. That's where I think drops matter. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not getting the wins, maybe they're going to go somewhere else with the volume then, right? Because they, they're trying to win, you know. <laughs> but they, they 100%. Are and, and like, my, like, I don't have any issue with DK Metcalf. And, like, I think he is a wide receiver. And I do agree. If you're talking top 12 wide receivers, I definitely put him up there. But my issue is, 
are you really saying he's number one and you're going to take him over Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, and Devontae Adams? You just talk about those three guys alone, the volume that they have, the consistency that they have, and the points that they put up. Are you really going to take them over him? And, and with Donovan factoring in the fact that DK Metcalf's 23 years old, if we factor out the age factor, are you really going to go that direction? Even no. Justin Jefferson, I find a hard time. Even Justin Jefferson. And that's because Justin Jefferson is doing it with Kirk Cousins. DK Metcalf is doing it with Russell Wilson. I just can't get over that, that it's with Kirk Cousins. I just you hate, can't get you over hate that. that fucking French vanilla fucking flavored <laughs> ice cream Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like that plain Jane, here you go. Have a wafer in your freaking ice cream. But like at the end of the day for me, I the value is there with with Tyler Lockett. The, the value is really too good with Tyler Lockett when you look at who you have to take around DK Metcalf or who you're taking. You take DK Metcalf and the guy after you's taking Tyree Kill or the guy after you's taking Devontae Adams or the guy after you's taking Stefan Diggs. I just couldn't live with myself if I did that. Absolutely, there was a re- I, I love that mentality. There's the same reason why I passed on like your Kenny Galladay's last year because I was missing on like I'm just gonna throw I'm just trying to think of guys in that range that were going like Cortland Sutton. I mean, yeah, it didn't work out. He got injured. I mean, they both did. But DJ Moore likely DJ Moore, was in that, that, were in that. We're in that either. We're in that. Um, we're in that. We're in that area because then I would take Marvin Jones, who was the red zone monster there, like. I, you can't, I for me, I can't grab two guys out of the wide receiver core unless it's Hill and Kelsey. But again, that's homerism and the fact that they can produce. But um, I'm not grabbing. You know, I'm not grabbing the days of Jordy Nelson and uh, Randall Cobb in Green Bay. Like that was a viable option where you could grab both of them and do it. But like you know, I'm not. I'm not into that. I'm not grabbing both. I'm not grabbing DK and Tyler. I'm just grabbing Tyler Lockett. I'm just grabbing Marvin Jones. Over and like I'm, a, I'm actually a big proponent of catch rate. Like catch rate is a seriously concerning stat to me. If you're like, so Tyler Lockett actually ranked number nine in catch rate. He was seventy five point eight, and DK Metcalf was a whole ten percent less. Like you're talking, that's ten percent of passes targets his way that he is not turning into a catch for you and that's not good and nope. and for a guy especially for a guy like you talk about he had 129 targets tyler lockett had 132 that 10 percent is a big difference in the in the valuation especially the value on a guy like tyler lockett versus a guy like dk metcalf uh-huh. i i get the tyler lockett's a little boom bust but i love him I love him. I get that argument with him, but like yeah, said, absolutely we, is we, 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 we look at we looked at some of the games as well with DK Metcalf. He was boomer bust too, oh, just no, no, a little no. less boomer bust. I'm not, I'm not you know. saying he's not. I'm just saying I get ready to get my back up when I defend Tyler Lockett that he's boom bust. I get it. He is very boom bust, but like I said, what are you gonna do? Hundred percent. But the volumes there. Absolutely, the volume's there, man. I like it so far. Let's keep it moving along, man. Do you want to talk about a guy that was drafted just two spots after um, Stefan Diggs last year? Let's do it. Yeah, man. Personal favorite of mine, Keenan Allen. 
finished as the wide receiver nine, drafted as the wide receiver 25. Unbelievable. Wide receiver three drafting and mm-hmm. giving you wide receiver one production. That is what you call sexy. Actually, it's what you call consistently non-sexy production. But but uh, you could, this is what you call value. Val- he is the epitome of value year over year over year. And this year, guess what? He's probably getting drafted in a similar ballpark again. Yeah, because he was only eight yards shy of 1,000. So, like, it's not sexy that he was, you know, 992 yards. But um, it would have been his fourth straight 1,000-yard season. He had 245 uh, PPR points. The only difference, again, between him and being really – top five wide receiver touchdowns and i've said before in this episode numerous times that touchdowns are not sticky they swing year to year man so like i'm not chasing them right we've seen perfect example on this team alone mike williams put up a 1300 yard season one year with no touchdowns and then mike williams put up 10 touchdowns well, not no touchdowns, but minimal touchdowns. And then Mike Williams the next year booming up with over ten to, or ten or eleven touchdowns, right? Like, and then touchdowns kind of plateau back down again. Like people went chasing them. Like, oh my god, he put up the thirteen hundred yards, and he can have the ten touchdowns, right? And it, it doesn't happen that way. Don't go chasing touchdowns. Go chasing volume. And uh, Keenan has it, man. He's a beast in that category. I mean, you look at it, he. He had 147 targets, which was fifth in the among receivers, fifth in target share, sixth in hog rate. Man, he he's a guy, and there's no competition. Year in and year out, it feels like there's no competition. He's always going to have those types of targets. And this year, you look at it, Mike Williams is still around, but he's not a target hog. But a guy like Hunter Henry, is he going to be back? What are they going to do at the tight end position? You but know. then you have your, your Austin Eckler. You have those guys who are still there. But there's no one who is threatening Keenan Allen from 130, 140 targets again in 2021 under with Justin Herbert as well. No, not even close, man. Not even close. Um, he's underrated, man. He's underrated. He's fucking so underrated. How do you get a guy that would have had four straight 1,000-yard seasons? I mean, yeah, he fell a little eight yards short. And he's... And he still has... Uh, and he still has, like... Um, for some reason, an injury stigma when I talk to some guys. I'm like, but he's played fucking 16 games, like three seasons in a row. Um, he appears on injury reports, but what yeah, star doesn't? What star doesn't? Exactly. Exactly. Like, what he missed one game this season. Like, what, 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 like what injury report? He missed no games in 2019. Like, no. what, what injury are you looking at? I know. Trust the me, fact man. that he's on the injury report, Tom Brady is on every injury report. <laughs> like, there's guys who are on every damn injury report week in and week out, and we're not talking about them. But Keenan Allen, who's myth- missed one game in the last 32, and suddenly we're like, oh, but there's injury issues. Where? What? Is that your reason for ve- for drafting him at 25? Because if I'm the guy sitting there at 25, I'm saying, thank you very much. I'll take that value pick, and you can take the two receivers that you took ahead of him who aren't going to put up the numbers Keenan Allen did. See, and the other thing, like I said, that I like with him is he was a wide receiver one five times, man. Five 
times. What are you mm-hmm. complaining about? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck are people complaining about with them? Now, did all of those end up recreating to um, team wins? I only think three of them did. So let me double check. And he had a nice little roll there. It was week seven, eight, and nine off the bye week, right, where where he was just rolling as a, as a wide receiver one. But, yeah, no, they didn't really equate to wins. There was only one. Sorry, it wasn't even three. Oof, took some heavy losses there. But, but I mean, like, pump the brakes because we're talking about a team that probably has some of the worst luck in the NFL. They have the most one-possession losses Oh, absolutely like, do. Over the last two or three years of any team. Not like not even remotely close in that statistical category. So this is a team who's just That's had some really Anthony exactly. Lynn and his mismanagement of the clock and blunder booberisms are fucking awesome to watch every Sunday as you try to figure out a new way to fuck up a goddamn win. And you as a Chiefs fan, I'm like, oh yeah, like Send my buddy, and he's like, "You ever going to be concerned about uh, the Chargers?" I go, "No, watch." I'm like, "They just beat themselves." <laughs> like oh, Anthony, Lynn, Anthony Lynn, like, must have had I don't know a significant amount of money placed on them losing or like not covering spreads or something because that's oh. the, yeah that was just like hopefully things turn around for them because if not then we can sit there and be like okay maybe it wasn't anthony lynn maybe there's a little more to this story but definitely like before we run into the fallers like this is a year where you're going to see a lot of moving and shaking in the wide receiving rooms, and there's going to be a lot of value because there's going to be guys like Justin Jefferson, guys like DK Metcalf. There's going to be guys moving up the list, which is going to push guys down like Tyler Lockett and Keenan Allen. So we're giving you money value on these guys because you can wait. And I bet those two are going to end up on a fringe wide receiver too for an ADP next season, and you'll get them and they'll be – High-end wide receiver twos, low-end wide receiver ones. God, Keenan Allen is not taken as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three again, man. Come on. Again, like – Shouldn't. It it honestly shouldn't. You should be taking, like, I don't know, fucking that latest 15, wide receiver 15. I think we can definitely make a wager because I can guarantee he is his ADP comes oh, September. Third of September should. will not be near that. <laughs> he fucking should be. Let me tell you, man. He but now should be. Those are our risers and some money value picks. And before we move into the fallers, let's get a quick message in from Monkey Knife Fight. If you want the best DFS player prop games in the industry, jump onto Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is sweeping the nation right now, and we at True North are proud to be doing it along with them. They've got games for all sports and skill levels that are sure to keep you on the edge of your seat with endless opportunity to watch your winnings pile up. With our promo code TNFF, Monkey Knife Fight will match your first deposit up to $50. So sign up now with our promo code and you can get up to $50 of free money to start making some bank. Again, that's monkeyknifefight.com and the promo code is TNFF at your first deposit to start playing today. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so hit up Monkey Knife Fight, especially 
this weekend when you're missing fantasy football. You can always do some player props and have some fun with that stuff. Um, so let's start with the fallers and let's start with the biggest one, the one that everyone's talking about, Michael Thomas. So yeah. it's official. Drew Brees is not coming back. It's official. He actually put the official statement out. Okay, not officially, <laughs> officially, but I mean, we might as well just call it officially. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, the, emo- the emotions were spilling over on Sunday night. Um, and it's official, Michael Thomas had a complete bogus season. And there's a lot of angry people because he was your wide receiver numero uno on the ADP last season. What are your thoughts on, on Michael Thomas this year? So we talked about it a little bit in the chat there, and it seems to be that there should be a perceived plummet market and a buying opportunity to be had this offseason. If I am a Michael Thomas owner, I am holding because you paid a premium investment in a guy that has shown to be able to produce and shown that he can produce without Drew Brees. Now, if you want to tell these fine people these amazing stats that you found out with and without Drew Brees. Um, so, I mean, I oh, guess yeah, go the, right, go, yeah, go right ahead. the market share, like, okay, so what we're looking at is not huge, okay? So it's 60 games with Drew Brees, 10 games without Drew Brees. And, but the big thing is the different quarterbacks that we saw without Drew Brees, but literally in every statistical category except touchdowns, he was better off. He will, he was better off. He averaged about 0.2 more PPR points. He averaged a, about, a, about half a reception more. His touchdown, like I said, was about 0.2 less. His receiving, his targets per game was about 0.3 up, and he was averaging about 10 yards more per game. So moving on to a guy like James Winston could actually spell a good thing for Michael Thomas. Maybe it isn't so much about the slants that we live and die by with Michael Thomas, because judging by that, and it is a small sample size, I get it, and I feel you, but that is a good thing when you look at the fact that it's with like three different quarterbacks that that sample size is created from. Absolutely, and one of them was with – a couple of them were sexy Jameis where he's dropping those friggin' dimes. You see that nice dime they dropped? One pat one for one. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a touchdown. Yeah. Again, I mean he better old. walked it in because he was wide open. <laughs> Trade yeah. one Smith with two tutters. And it and I mean I mean I've seen reports where it looks like it will be Jameis Winston who will be the quarterback next season. Well, they plan to re-sign him. And if they're smart about it. Taysom Hill is not your future. You got to roll the dice with a guy like Jameis Winston, and you got to take the chance and see what happens, especially if you're going to re-sign him. But, I mean, you look at you look at Michael Thomas. Like, I know that he missed a bunch of games. He was hurt a bunch. Number four in target rate, 15 in hog rate. Number one in air yard share among wide receivers, and he missed all those games. 
So he's still got a massive bulk of the air yard share. Um, I mean, I get it in, in the seven games he played, he averaged a pedestrian 12 points per game despite averaging six receptions and 63 yards per game. But he also had no touchdowns, which is a big thing. And whereas in prior years, he had three seasons of nine and one season of five, I do believe. So, I mean, he he had a rough season. He had a rough season. He was playing through some injuries. Uh, old noodle arm, Drew Brees did him You can't call Drew Brees noodle arm. That's Phil Rivers, man. They can't be a bunch of them, noodle arms. But it's true. They're both noodle arms. Like, look at that. Drew Brees could barely check it 10 years <laughs> down the field on Sunday night in his final hurrah for the fans. Did so you see the, the meme where they showed the video? I guess it was the video in the, the caption where so Drew Brees' kid throws it to Jay, to Tom Brady for the pass in the end zone, and the buddy's like, even Brees' kid knows he doesn't have enough juice to get on the ball in the end zone. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh geez, poor guy, poor Breeze. He's got to go. He's got to go retire and sit up and announce somewhere with Tony Romo or something. As long but, as he doesn't end up pulling the old uh, Jason Witten robot. <laughs> oh, uh, but my question to you, so we don't continue to go on about terrible announcers, is um, where are you taking Michael Thomas? Where do you think his value is at? I mean, he's obviously going to drop down from the wide receiver one. That's without saying. Um, well, let's do a little tally. Where did I actually say I had him earlier on in this episode? It was 11, correct? Uh, 11 or 12, I think. Let's see. I had him. I have him one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I have him number eleven. Which is not a bad spot to have him, and he could probably he could end up being a value pick for you at eleven. He could we could be talking about him as a riser next season if you take him at eleven or in that ballpark. I actually think I might actually have him at 12, though, to be honest. I feel like I'm missing the wide receiver in there between the two of them. <laughs> Just trying to, trying to add a little more value to Michael Thomas <laughs> on the air right now. Just give me a second. I think I got one more guy in front of him. Let me double check here. But I would agree, you know. A low end, a low end wide receiver one or a high end wide receiver two is a hundred percent the value that I think he's at. And I think he can be a value pick where you take him at that position, to be honest. I, I oh, do think I'm not gonna have him next year. That's like the plain and simple. Like I know I'm not gonna have him uh, in any redraft leagues because I'm not gonna take him where I'm comfortable taking him. And I had any no shit. I didn't know. I had no shares of him either this year. I've never had a Michael Thomas. Actually, I did have in a redraft league. I had a Michael Thomas share this year, and I don't think I ever will again now because it was the world's most frustrating season. And I'm never going to sell him if I own him in Dynasty for this value. Not now. You need to at least see him. He won't get value again right now in Dynasty until you see him produce one monster game with whoever's under quarterback, or at least they know who's under quarterback. You're not going to get any value right now. Not where you're not where you drafted him at. You're taking a loss. You're taking like fifty cents on the dollar, and I don't see the reason to. A hundred percent, I agree. Like, there's no point in moving on from from 
Michael Thomas right now because you're not going to get anywhere near the value that you but wanted of the guy. A guy that I would do is I'd feel comfortable with if I was a DK Metcalf owner, I would be looking to flip DK for Michael Thomas and like a low end second. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'd, I'd be looking for that. I don't see the value slip from those two. Fair. Fair. You could definitely, I could definitely get behind that. I could definitely see something like that. Like, I mean, and Michael Thomas is only 27 years old. Like we don't, you don't have to stress any age or any, any number like that with him. I think his value is only going to go up with the quarterback that he gets. And that's why I think next year, I think by this time next year, we'll have an episode where we're talking about rises and followers for wide receivers again from 2021 going to 2022. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was a riser. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to rise because he's going to be taken, like I said, well, for me, wide receiver like 12, 11, 12 range. But, um, and another, and now it's to move on and to bounce off of that point. I think someone who we're going to be talking about as a riser for 2021 is the next guy I want to talk about who I'm a huge fan of, and that is DJ Moore. So yeah, I was surprised he's on the uh, we we're gonna talk about him as the as the faller, to be honest with you. Like I don't think he's gonna fall. I don't think he's gonna fall. His ADP this past season was wide receiver six, and he finished bordering on leaving the wide receiver two department. So he was not great. He didn't bring the value that you wanted. But at the end of the day, the team pass plays were down by about seven pass plays per game. Um, and DJ, but DJ Moore's target share pretty much stayed the same from 2019 to 2020, 24.1 to 24.3%. And he actually had the number two air yard share only behind Michael Thomas. And his total intended air yards was number five in the NFL. He's got some stats. He's got some pretty sexy stats that that stand with him and that make him really stand out and say, man, I want to put that value back in him. And if I'm a DJ Moore owner, I'm holding and I'm holding hard because the thing for me, and I pulled up the stats with and without Robbie Anderson and with Robbie Anderson in play, he is a lot better. He, yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who, I know there's a lot of people who talked about like Robbie Anderson's probably taken from him, but like on a full, the PPR, his PPR, 15 games with Robbie Anderson, 31 without, he's almost two full PPR points per game more with Robbie Anderson. What are your thoughts on, on, on DJ Moore? Um, so I was pretty crazy. Somebody put up a stat that I think it was like most receiving yards over the last two years. And he was like number six, I think. Crazy, which I didn't know. Um, not, don't 100% quote me on that. I think it was like over the last two years. It's he was, all, he's all about that yak. Yeah, man. Um, he's a guy that I'm buying the perceived. Robbie Anderson eating into his market share. There was only a few games, like I said, where Robbie, we talked about this earlier on in the offseason, where Robbie had like 13 targets and DJ had like two. That was earlier on in the season that swung more in DJ's favor as the season moved on. And um, absolutely, people aren't really looking at that. No, the script really flipped the last like, 
it was about four or five weeks leading into his injury. Then he had an injury. And the, even then, the, even the final game or two, he still the, the script flipped a bit. But but he had that injury. I think it was week 13 because he he, they had the bye week and then he missed the week after the bye week. And, like, I mean, I guess the only thing for me, like, his numbers are pretty strong across the board. He was ninth in receiving yards, eighth in completed air yards, 16 yards after catch, number four in yards per reception. And his touchdown rate was up almost 1%. So he was actually scoring more touchdowns as well. The only thing that worried me was he had a ton of drops. He was drops actually don't number matter. drops uh, don't matter. I know, I know, but his catch rate too. Your catch his catch rate went from sixty four to fifty five percent, and you're number two in among wide receivers in drops. I don't know, man. There's there's a point where you have to say, well, are you saying Teddy is an elite quarterback, especially when it comes to accuracy? Hundred percent, no. Hundred percent. No. Oh God, no. God, no. We're not the other guy that played. What about the other guy? <laughs> what about that other guy? <laughs> that's how, that's how that's how good they are. That's how accurate uh, they are. We I don't know their bust, names. I just busting balls, but you know what I mean. Like you're putting a lot of onus on a guy that's not catching balls that probably weren't even in a catchable place. So, like. Mm. I'm taking him. Where where do you have him ranked, actually, Connor? For me personally, he's 13. Yeah, for for me, he's right around that 14, 15 range. I haven't finalized my ratings, but yeah, he's right in that ballpark range. But I think he has that upside to really boom. Like I don't think like you got Curtis Samuel who's gonna be on his way out. And but then people are like, well, you got CMC coming back. Well, Curtis Samuel kind of filled like Curtis Samuel and Mike Davis kind of both together filled the CMC role. So that doesn't concern me that CMC is going to be back and hopefully having a full season. Yeah, that's uh, that's also true. Um, no, I. Hmm. Who do you think is going to be a behind behind a quarterback next year? I think it's still going to be Teddy Bridgewater, but that's not to believe that they're not. Thinking about taking a quarterback this season that it, with this draft because they're well right in the middle of the first round, so there's a chance that there's somebody there. Like, do you think that? Like, do you think they reach for, um, like, do you think Kyle Trask goes? I'm thinking like if they're gonna take a quarterback, you'll think you're looking Trey Lance, Kyle Trask. It's going to be one of those two who are there available, but you want to be that one who goes before. I think they draft before them, but you want to be before New England because you know New England probably wants one of those two. New England drafts at 15, I think. That they do. I just don't know 100% where Carolina drafts. But I do still think that Teddy Bridgewater, no matter what, Teddy Bridgewater is starting out the season at quarterback. I don't. Th- I don't think that there's any real. To me, any, yeah. think there's any full Fitz magic left? Maybe they they sign a little Fitz magic in there. He loves oh. so fucking. He loves throwing those fucking deep bombs, man. He'll Carolina. Throw- so Carolina drafts eight. Carolina drafts eight. 
So they got a pretty good trade. Trade Teddy, sign Fitzy, get a developmental quarterback in the first, and let Ted and let Fitzy just throw some bombs. Man, I'd love DJ Moore if, if old Fitzmagic was around, but I don't know. Maybe the, like that's 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 something to watch in fantasy. Where's Fitz- yeah, Chris Godwin like fucking rise, boom. <laughs> I, but I love DJ Moore. I mean, I, we have him as a follower because he definitely fell from the value that he had based on his ADP. But, man, I love DJ Moore. We've talked about him n- a number yeah. of times on the show. Absolutely. I was just kind of busting chops. So I'm like, I don't know how he's a faller. Because um, for me, he's not. I want to draft him right where I was drafting him last year, which is around the wide receiver 13. And uh, yeah, I don't really have a lot of DJ Moore. I don't. I re- really disappoint. I have I have a good chunk of DJ Moore now. I I really hope that I continue to see some good performance. But I think he silently had a really good season. There's a lot of people who were like, "Oh, DJ Moore didn't do very well." And then it's like, man, you look at the stats. He had a really good season. It came on at the end, like in like the last nine games or whatever was the majority of his 100 yard games and stuff. So I mean, it was at the end of the season. But I mean. That that was a flip of the script between him and Robbie Anderson, and probably adjusting to Teddy Bridgewater and stuff. It's a whole a whole different thing without a preseason. Some people adjust to it a little bit better than others, and that could be the situation with DJ Moore. He didn't adjust to it quick enough, but then he started to take over, and Teddy Bridgewater saw him as his number one, and and we saw that as the season went on. Yeah, that's fair enough. I love DJ. Right, last night the DJ saved my life with a tutty. But um, let's let's keep it moving. Let's see, yeah, uh, absolutely. Let's, moving. let's talk about a guy that I have never, never really been too high on, and it's not based on his talent. Before I get fucking haters coming at me at some point, it's based on the value of him and having another teammate that takes very valuable touches away from him in the red zone and that's Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I like Marvin. Uh, the faller is Kenny. And that is obviously because of <clears throat> what do you have? A hip injury. Is that, is that what he, is that what he was? Yeah, it was a hip injury. It started with a hamstring and then it turned into a hip and the, the hip was weird. The he missed like nine, nine games. I think he missed with the hip injury. Uh, and so yeah, missed. Do you, before we get off on anything, is is Kenny played his last day in the uh, in the blue of Detroit? There, I I, I would think no because it's every all the signs that I'm seeing point to them. They have a new regime. They're probably potentially moving on from Matt Stafford. They got the high draft pick. They can go after the quarterback of the future. Should they see probably Justin Fields as that quarterback of the future? Um, for for me. It's a big offseason because you talk about, is it Kenny Galladay's last day in the blue and silver? But Danny Amendola is a free agent. Marvin Jones is a free agent. Who do you want back with? Who do you want back between those three names? It's a big question. Um, That's remember. Well, here's the thing. I think I'd rather have Marvin Jones and pay a cheaper price for Juju. I think I'd you rather... think you think Juju is a a cheaper price than Kenny Galladay. I think 
It's going to be a little bit. I think. I think. I think so. I think you're going to get better production on. I think. I think they're going to be on par. I was checking spot track. I know spot track is market value, but it has market value of Galladay at 19 million, and I think it's got Juju in a similar ballpark. So if you're saying, do you want Galladay or do you want Juju? 100% Juju. I agree with you, but if if you think there's a value in waiting and seeing Juju over Galladay, I think they're going to go for very very similar. Maybe I mean, look at what Sammy Watkins went for. Fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Right. So. But like I said, I don't. I think I think Juju's gonna go for the last man because like Juju, the perceived thing is he's been overtaken by other wide receivers in his room and can't alpha dog them away from away from him and keep his market share. Where Kenny Galladay was just an accident. It's just an injury. Mm. You know what I mean. So yeah, and I mean, just just saying on the Pittsburgh stance, I I think it's a bad move if Juju's gone. Juju was twenty percentage points better than any of those other receivers in catch rate. Just saying, um, but but for Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay came off that massive twenty nineteen where he was wide receiver nine. Kate largely lost his twenty twenty season to that hip injury. He did play five games. And the left the last one after like a little literally 10% of playing time. In the four full games he played, he did finish as a wide receiver two or better. He was a wide receiver 24 or better. And I mean, he he's not bad. Like well, no. I mean, when you, when you look at it, so his touchdown rate that year was astronomical. That touchdown rate was ridiculous in 2019. It was 17%. In four games in 2020, he was already down to 10%. That's a manageable. That's a more realistic level for a guy like Kenny Galladay. Um, and then statistically, like his air yards per target over the last two seasons were 14.6, which put him at 10 and 11. So he's a deep threat, you know. But is that more because of the de- the negative game script with with uh Matt Stafford and the fact that Matt Stafford's willing to throw the ball throw the deep ball um I mean there's so much of like there was one year this guy was a wide receiver nine outside of that what have we seen of Kenny Galladay that put his ADP as high as it was which his ADP was wide receiver 10 what what else did you see that had his ADP that high me Nothing. Nothing. I think that there's a saturation of talent at the wide receiver position in the NFL right now. Um, I don't think that there's a lot that separates what I want to call the tier two and tier three guys from that, like whatever's in that tier, right? So if I'm talking about tier three guy, I don't really see that much separation from like, you know, my wide receiver 15 to my wide receiver 21. You know what I mean? Like, not much. Not much at all. Uh, I do see the big difference, like, from wide receiver 1 to 3 and then the drop from 3 to 4. That's where my, my drop is. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, the, the only thing for me about Galladay that, that I'm sitting there and I'm like, Maybe we haven't seen all from him yet. His target rate the last two seasons has been right on about 20%, which is good for 30th among wide receivers, 
right around the 30 ballpark. So what if he becomes that alpha and he demands the attention and he can stay healthy and he sees a 24, 25, 26% market share? Why do you get the Mitch Trubisky like quarterback and they shit the fucking bed? That's the risk you take. Though. This is fantasy sports. This is a risk Absolutely we take with Kenny so, Galladay. Could he get? Could he be a twenty percent guy for life? Could he be a wide receiver too for life? Could this hip injury affect him for life? Or, or are we looking at a guy who he goes somewhere, he becomes the alpha, and he demands that twenty-five percent share, that twenty-six percent share, and suddenly he shows his worth and he becomes a low-end wide receiver one. I'll take the loss on him. I, I agree. I agree, but I got to play devil's advocate. We can't oh, I hear you, Will. I know, I know. I, trust me, man. I get it. Or it's a pretty fucking boring show. It was just like, all right, like, you know, fuck, this is what we're doing. But, um, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I don't want that risk. He's not – there's other there's other guys in the tier that I'd rather go after in his tier, and one of those guys we're actually going to talk about right next and that's Cortland Sutton man he's a guy that I'd rather have a share of than Kenny Galladay for for, for fuck's sake that's for me anyway right like that's what I preluded to before I was passing Kenny G I was grabbing Cortland I was taking Marvin Jones later um yeah and with Kenny uh with Cortland Sutton I also put in Jerry Judy because I think it's fair that based on the situation with Drew Locke we talk about the two of these guys interchangeably because sure. as together Jerry, so there was literally there was one game Jerry Judy and and Cortland Sutton played together there was 15 where they were not together because Cortland Sutton went off and tore his ACL and MCL sadly but in that one game Jerry Judy 10.2 PPR points, Corlin Sutton 9.6. So these are two guys based on just sheer, a very, very small number. We see that these could be two guys who have a very, very fair 50-50 split of the work. But to the same point, do you trust Drew Locke? Do you want to invest any type of marbles in Drew Locke and in the Denver Broncos right now? Um... Yeah, in Cortland Sutton. That's about it. I'm investing in Cortland Sutton. I never really liked the hype on Judy. I don't know if you remember. I always said if you wanted Judy or Lamb and you couldn't decide who your wide receiver one last year was, do you remember who I said to trade down and take? Justin Jefferson. Fucking right, Justin Jefferson. Um, That's my Yeah, I mean, when you think about it. But I mean, besides that, like, no, yeah, Cortland Sutton, man. Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton, Cortland Sutton. He was a guy before, and I was actually off of him uh, like last month. I was kind of down because I thought his value was still where high wide receiver two. It's not exactly there. Um, then Astronomist got me back on him. Uh, as a rookie, he was drafted by the same guy or scouted by the same guy that scouted DeAndre Hopkins. And he said he was the closest, closest prospect. Remember how we talked about this before? Prospect does not equate to NFL career. Prospect means he was the prospect, he was the player that that player was entering the NFL and not having to be as polished or, or refined as that player was in the NFL. He said he was the closest prospect to Nuke Hopkins. 
that that he that he saw. Um, so I'll take that. I mean, personally, I thought Sammy Watkins was a better prospect than Nuke, but I'll take that. He could have the ceiling of Nuke, get him a better quarterback. Uh, I think the best opportunity, or sorry, the best thing that that could have happened to him did happen to him, and that was John Elway stepping aside and uh, mm-hmm. uh, getting out of the way. And now the rumor, I'm not sure if it's 100% true, because I saw in the, I guess, whatever, I saw somebody posted in our chat. I saw it uh, other where too, but I, I couldn't actually see it confirmed that Elway said that the new GM isn't half the tied to Drew Locke. So the new GM can do what he wants to do at the quarterback position. So if that's true, wheels up for him, man. Even though I'm not saying Drew's bad, but – I mean, that's good knowing that whoever's coming in isn't being pigeonholed into a type of personnel or a type of play calling style because they're locked into a quarterback going in there. They can go get who they want to go get, possibly. So that's shows what I think forward change. I'm sorry, hard to articulate that. Um, you know what I mean? Just because John always been the biggest roadblock. I think, in, in that team's way of fantasy success and real-life success over the last, fuck, five years, six years. Um, just because he was a good quarterback doesn't mean he can find a good quarterback, apparently, because, man. He's had, he's had some <laughs> tough times. That, that's for I'm, just, sure. I'm looking at these quarterbacks that they've had, and I'm like, wow, like for a guy that – who is known to be probably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the game. You missed, and you missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think that, that there's – I think they need each other. Like a guy like Jerry Judy, he had massive issues with drops. His catch rate was atrocious. He had the hardest time when Sutton got hurt, and he became the focal point of the – the CB1 was always on him. He was the focal point of, of a defense trying to stop the run game. It was him or Noah Fanton. That was pretty much it. Um, so, I mean, for, for me, I think that there will be value in both Cortland Sutton and, and, and Jerry Judy. It just depends on, like, do you trust that both of them, one of them, even if one of them can become fantasy relevant and can give you good fantasy value? And that's where I'm having a hard time believing. I mean, you could take the 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 value on Corlin Sun, you could take the value on Jerry Judy, you could see what happens from there. But for me, it's a big question mark if they're sticking with Drew Locke. He was pretty inconsistent. He struggled with injuries. The offensive line was really bad. His his protection rate ranked 33rd among uh, quarterbacks. So, I mean, at the end of the day, maybe this, maybe this new GM flips a whole situation in Denver. Maybe it's a whole different ball game, but for me, I, I don't know if I want either of them, but the val- it depends on the value. It really depends on where they drop to. But I think that like, so Corlin Sutton was wide receiver 15 last year. Jerry Judy was wide receiver 22. I wouldn't be shocked to see them both drop deep into the twenties. Maybe even a guy like Judy dropping into the the high end thirties. And then you might be able to consider that value. Out of the three playmakers there uh, in the passing game, Judy Sutton Fant, which one would you take first? Sutton. 
Okay. And then I, and then I love Jerry Judy. I loved Jerry Judy. Like, and I like Noah Fan. I got a lot of Noah Fan shares. So it's really tough after that between Judy and Fan. But I almost think I would take Fan. I take Sutton first. But like I said, I'm the only one that I'm really investing in is Sutton. Uh, fan only not a knock on Fan, but again, like there's a lot of guys in that range that you can take that have dart throws at, at number one, right? Like Fanner Hawkinson was the one this year, right? Who turned out better this year was Hawkinson. It just depends on which dart you're going to throw. Which ultimately the value on Fan might not actually be too bad. It all depends once the draft, once the uh, off-season draft and process the new startups get going. No Fan's value might not actually be terrible. No, might not be. Yeah, but now not. we'll... Let's uh, let's get to the final faller, and that is someone who a lot of people were in love with, enamored with after in Monster 2019 as well. He struggled through. I'm pretty sure when I looked on Player Profiler and I saw the injuries, he pretty much had an injury to almost every part of his body this past season, and that is DJ Chark. I think Ladies. you don't like dancing. That's why you like the two DJs today. Brutal. <laughs> but this one's going to be really fun to look at because we were talking about Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, and now we're talking about Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. Are we talking about Trevor Char- Lawrence? Are they, get, are they really taking Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> I think it would be the biggest shock of this century I mean, if Urban they didn't. Meyer, he doesn't really know what he's going to do anymore after publicly saying Trevor Lawrence is the greatest quarterback prospect he's ever known to see. In his life, period. Oh, yeah. I think it's pretty – if it wasn't obvious before when they got that first pick, when they hired Urban Meyer, I think it became screaming obvious. I'm really upset for Gardner Minshew, man. <laughs> really upset, man. Listen, I was in a league where a guy tried super hard to make me – trade Derek Carr to him for Gardner Minshew and was selling me on Gardner's a guy, man. Don't you worry. He's not a one-year thing. And I stood there and I was like, he ain't even a whole year thing, man. Something's <laughs> going to happen this year. And I don't want to my yeah, home because it was injuries. Like, because it was injuries. But he's too good. And they're like, man, he's going to fuck up this Trevor Lawrence. Quick, get Mike Lennon in there. Oh, he broke his thumb. <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, for me, so let, let's get back to DJ Char, the one at, at hand here. Uh, he, he, like I say, struggled through 2020. He played 13 games, but somehow he managed a top 24 performance in three of those 13 games. Um, to me, he's largely a wide receiver to Boomer Bust because 62, 64% of his last 28 games, he was a wide receiver three or worse. So he can boom, but boys, can he ever bust? What are your thoughts on DJ Chark? So this offseason, I'm buying Visca. Um, Chark, Chark's flamed out really for me as, as a guy. I was on him after his rookie season because he had significant draft capital. He showed production promise, and he showed – um, sorry, and he showed um, 
growth uh, in, in his route running as a rookie. So I was buying him, but core injuries, uh, they're so hard to recover from too. I've noticed like when you get a core, in, um, when you get a core injury, you usually end up being done for a good year, even if it's like week one or week two that it comes on for. But for more important reason why I'm off of them is you alluded to a new coach. You alluded to the possibility of a new quarterback. And what that says to me is the door is wide open for a wide receiver one. DJ Chark is not your prototypical alpha. He doesn't walk into a room and, and command the room. I do think they have a wide receiver in that room that does, though, and his name's not Keelan Cole. His name's Visca. LaVisca Chenault is the guy right now that I'm buying in the offseason because I think he's got the wide-open door to be this team's wide receiver one coming in. They got a fucking stud of a running back in James Robinson. I don't care who the fuck is telling you they're going to invest draft capital into another running back. Um, They got a great offensive coach coming in. They got potentially one of the greatest quarterback prospects to ever hit the game. And they're rolling in with a goddamn wide receiver that they manufactured touches for with a shitty regime last year. And he showed that he can produce in that role. He can run it. He can do jet sweeps. Uh, he can work in the slot. He can work on the outside. It doesn't matter. Visca can can be can be used. So if I was Urban Meyer, I'd be looking to get some fucking wins under my belt. It wins under my belt real fucking fast. So I'd be leaning on Visca. I'd be leaning on James Robinson. I'd be designing playing calls to make Trevor Lawrence feel as comfortable as he possibly can. So for that, I'm buying Visca, man. I'm buying Visca all over the, because he's got the wide open door for the wide receiver one role, right? Like T. Higgins, yeah, okay, he can be, but I think Tyler Boyd – is still more – that's more of a 1A, 1B type of situation. Um, it could be Chase Claypool. It could be Deontay. I don't fucking know in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm Really, I don't really know any other rookie from this year that has a clear enough path to the wide receiver one as Visca does. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm not a massive DJ chart. Guy, I mean, I think I have maybe one share of him, and, and that's sheer for the sheer fact that like he's been in the NFL now for three years now, and and I mean he had that one big year, he had that boom, but like based looking back at the stats, looking back at the games he's played, man, he's a very boomer bust guy. He's a good outside re receiver, and I mean he, he's gonna open up that field for a guy like Visca. He's really gonna help Trevor Lawrence out. But is he ever going to be more than a boomer bust wide receiver two that you invest too high in? I'm not so certain. I'm not actually fully convinced on DJ Trek. I am sold on a guy like a gadget guy like this guy. I mean, I think the NFL and oh, and the coaches. That's well, that makes him sound Tavon Austinish, like Tavon Austinish. That I don't really like. Well, let's just face it. The the reality is that they. 
coaches love these gadget players. They do. They really do. And they're starting to become more and more prominent in the NFL. You see if you can play running back, if you can play wide receiver, if you can jet sweep, if you can do all these things, they're 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 getting used even more. And they become they're becoming even in fantasy, I find they're becoming assets. If you can mix in the run with the pass, the receiving, with everything. If you can do everything on a football field like a guy like Visca can do, like a guy like uh, Brandon Ayuk kind of started to prove that he could do while Debo was out and stuff, there's there's something to be said there. A guy like Jalen Reger, I still don't think that people should give up hope on Jalen Reger. Guys like that, gadget guys who can work out of the backfield. on Jalen Reger? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. But they, you never know. There might be some people who are fresher. I know. I, I, I get it. I know. There's a lot of people who are like, well, if the Eagles took Dustin Jefferson, could you imagine? Well, then we'd be saying the same thing about Jalen Reger and Justin Jefferson flip flopped because the Eagles would fuck up Justin Jefferson. But that's beyond the point. Great, they would. <laughs> but that's beyond the point. But I, like I agree, the gadget guys are becoming a more important piece. Every team's looking to get one of those guys who can play out of the backfield, play slot, play outside, do a little bit of everything. And this guy actually does have that type of personality where, you know, you could kind of think that he could be the alpha in that room because Keelan Cole is not an alpha. Um And DJ Chark is not an alpha. So all somebody has to do is step up and say, I'll do it. And a guy like Visca is someone who can put his hand up and say, hey, Trevor Lawrence, hey, Urban Meyer, I'll do that. The only thing to stop him, Visca, I think, is a free agent signing like Allen Robinson coming back to Duvall. Because they have a ton of money. Like that's the only thing I think stopping him, really uh, slamming the door shut on Visca. Because like I said, I, I would like to call these types of players like dual threat players. Or multifaceted players, gadget again. Like I don't know, fuck. That's a term. I ugh, makes me think sorry, of like, sorry, sorry. multifaceted, dual threats, whatever you want. Turning, fucking jet sweeping, fucking <laughs> little guy. But I mean, Visca, Jesus man, he'll run you right over. He's a grown ass man. <laughs> this is a. Uh... But yeah, this should be interesting. I think this is going to be a really interesting offseason. Like we kind of kicked the show off with like no combine preseason. We don't know about like training camps. We don't know about we don't the rookie camps. We don't know, but we don't know anything. We don't know what this is going to look like. We could be a bunch of guys sitting here watching film and saying, yeah, that guy looks pretty good. And but you just don't know what this is going to bring. You don't know what coaches are going to have in mind the coaching carousel is slowly coming to an end it's between two of the worst jobs in the nfl you could be the eagles coach you could be the texans coach you can't even keep deshaun watson but this is going to be a fun offseason this is going to be a really interesting fantasy offseason honestly i hope uh kafka and Bienami stay in kansas city <laughs> Well, the last rumor I saw, the only team interested in Kafka was the Eagles, and they already said that they're not moving forward with Kafka. So well, I, I can Kafka said he isn't moving forward with them. Really said <laughs> that could be true. That could be true. Oh, but this man. this was this was fun, Jim. This was yeah, fun, and and we we gave you some some value. We gave you some risers. We gave you some fallers, and. And uh, hopefully you, you listen to us.
Yeah, we sure did, man. As always, thanks for tuning in. Catch us every Tuesday. Make sure to tune in to True North Network um, for our, what we got five podcasts running day or running weekly now. We got one uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, check us out. We got the Jet Sweep Show. We got the Point After. We got us. We got the original OG True North Fantasy Podcast. Um, make sure you check us all out on True North Fantasy Football, um, truenorthffb.com for all our rankings. Uh, got to get on mine and actually post, finish posting them. I've been getting a couple chirps in there, <laughs> but not, not finalizing those. Um, yeah, man, make sure to check us all out, man. Connor, got anything to add to that? No, we, we are all good, and uh, we will see you all next Tuesday. I think we are digging into some tight ends next week, so we'll see you all next week. See you next